expect there will be spoilers, 100 films, 100 podcasts. My name is Matt Bazell. And I am Ethan Knight. And Ethan, we are back with number 17 on the AFI Top 100 list with 1967's The Graduate. The Graduate. Starring Dustin Hoffman. Yes. And Bancroft. And Bancroft. And Catherine Ross. Catherine Ross. Sort of our major three there. Yes. We've seen Dustin Hoffman in like five other films on this list. That's true, we have. And Catherine Ross was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Also, we've seen uh, Mr. Robinson, who plays Murray Hamilton, or, or who is called Murray Hamilton. He plays Mrs. Ro- Mr. Robinson. It's early in the morning. And he was in Jaws. Uh, oh, I at- thought I recognized him. Yes, he was the mayor. And uh, you might recognize the... Uh, Dustin Hoffman's father as uh, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Are you kidding? Wow. I did not catch that, but I can totally see it now. Yes. Well, Ethan, some people may not have known the film before, like myself, so why don't we give those people a plot synopsis? Well, those that's just so sad for those people. They need to see this movie. (laughs) The Graduate is the story of Ben Braddock, a new college graduate who finds himself unsure about his future plans at a graduation party thrown for him by his parents ben is asked to drive a family friend and wife of his father's business partner mrs robinson home ben is reluctant but acquiesces mrs robinson forces a drink on him and attempts to seduce him just before mr robinson arrives home though benjamin resists her seduction in the moment a few weeks later he sets up a meeting with her at the taft hotel For the rest of the summer, Ben loafs by the pool during the day and meets Mrs. Robinson in the evenings. Ben learns about Mrs. Robinson's marriage during one of their meetings, specifically that she got married because she became pregnant with her daughter, Elaine. Mrs. Robinson forbids Ben from calling Elaine, though his parents and Mr. Robinson encourage it, putting him in an uncomfortable situation. After much pushing and prodding, Ben takes Elaine on a date, but makes it purposefully bad. He drives recklessly, he chooses a strip club as his venue. After Elaine bursts into tears, Ben has an about face, and he begins to take the date seriously, and learns that he and Elaine are compatible. After heading to the Taft Hotel for a drink, Ben is forced to reveal that he had a relationship with a married woman, but does not reveal who, and insists that it is over. Soon after, Ben is forced to reveal the truth to Elaine before Mrs. Robinson does. Elaine is upset and returns to Berkeley. Ben follows her back to school and attempts to repair the relationship, and Elaine explains that her mother told her that Ben got her drunk and raped her. Ben insists that Mrs. Robinson seduced him and pesters Elaine for days about getting married. Elaine starts to soften, but Mr. and Mrs. Robinson find out and pull Elaine from school and push her into marriage with Carl, a classmate of hers who she'd previously dated. Ben hunts down Elaine, visiting Mrs. Robinson, Carl's frat house, and eventually the church where the wedding is taking place. After his car breaks down, he's forced to run the rest of the way to the church, where he arrives just in time to see Elaine married. Ben causes a scene calling for Elaine, and they run to each other as the church erupts into chaos. The two flee the church and catch a ride on a bus. The two take the last seats in the back, and as the film ends, their faces, full of excitement and happiness, begin to fall. Which is something we saw in another film we watched, not for this list, but in our bonus content, The 500 Days of Summer. 
Yeah, that's true. So a film that has already been on the periphery, if not main stage sometimes, I know you've mentioned it several times on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And as I've mentioned, I have not seen this film until, well, now. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there's a lot of stuff that I didn't realize came from this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll get into that more in our three questions. But, Ethan, this is obviously a multiple viewing of yours. Is there anything that struck you new or differently in this viewing? Um. You know, I don't know that I found anything sort of particularly fresh, but I I always am struck by um by the costumes in this film and how much information they they sort of convey. Ben is always in blue, Elaine is always in pink, Mrs. Robinson always has these jungle prints or uh you know, cat prints or whatever that there's never, or, or she's in black. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that always just the, just how much the film, you know, pushes all of this, all these characters together with the, with these costume choices always stands out to me. I think that's, it's such an interesting, uh, bit of work. I also think that, to go along with the costuming really the setting everything looks really clean mm-hmm. like we're in a clean 60s here it's mm-hmm. not all dinged up it's not like easy rider right i think is a good comparison for something right. like this yeah this is uh this is like california suburbs uh you know upper middle class like jackie kennedy outfit everybody suits yeah kind of thing yeah, it, it's yeah upper upper middle class white people in the in the suburbs of of you know California, uh, very establishment nineteen sixties right very establishment which I think is is part of Benjamin's uh, sort of ennui right is that it is mm-hmm. that it is so clean right that it is so uh, you know I don't know uh, well well cut I guess I I don't know. Yeah, and that's exactly what I want to talk about for our pivotal scene and my successive thesis. This is where Ben and Mr. Robinson have a conversation instead of just immediately jumping into bed with each other. So just Taft Hotel and one of their many liaisons. And it goes a little differently, right? So let's take a listen to the scene and then we'll talk about it. Will you wait a minute, please? Mrs. Robinson... Do you think we could say a few words to each other first this time? I don't think we have much to say to each other. Look, for months, all we've done is come up here and leap into bed together. Are you tired of it? I'm not, no. But do you think we could liven it up with a little conversation for a change? Well, what do you want to talk about? Anything, anything at all. Do you want to tell me about some of your college experiences? Oh, my God. Think of another topic. How about art? Art? That's a good subject. You started off. You started off. I don't know anything about it. Well, what do you want to know about it? Are you interested more in modern art or in classical art? Neither. 
You're not interested in art? No. Then why do you want to talk about it? I don't. Now, look, we're going to do this thing. We're going to have a conversation. Tell me what you did today. <sighs> I got up. Oh. I fixed breakfast for my husband. There. There's something we could have a conversation about. Your husband. Oh, him. I mean everything. I don't know anything about how you work this. What do you say to him when you leave the house at night? Nothing. He's asleep. Always? Doesn't he wake up when you come home? We have separate bedrooms. Oh, I see. So you don't... I mean, I don't like to seem like I'm prying, but I guess you don't sleep together or anything. No, we don't. Well, how long has this been going on? For God's sake, let's well, drop wait a this. minute. Why did you marry him? See if you can guess. Well, I can't. Think real hard, Benjamin. I can't see why you did, Alice. You didn't have to marry him or anything, did you? Don't tell him, eh? Oh, no, you had to marry him because you got pregnant. Are you shocked? Well, I never thought of you and Mr. Robinson as a kind All of people. All right, now, let's get to bed. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So how did it happen? What? You and Mr. Robinson. I mean, do you feel like telling me what were the circumstances? Not particularly. Was he a law student at the time? Mm-hmm. And you were a student also? Mm-hmm. At college? Yes. What was your major? Benjamin, why are you asking me all these questions? Because I'm interested, Mrs. Robinson. Now, what was your major subject at college? Odd. So I chose this because this is where we really start to dig into the film as part of what it wants to say. I think this is an actual pivot point in the film. Up until mm -hmm. this point, it's been a couple Sound of Silence montages. Ben is... You know, you mentioned his ennui, right? There's a general malaise going on here. Mm -hmm. And there's some really good scenes in which you have those montages where he's kind of drifting through life or drifting literally on a pool. But it's here that we start waking up to, one, the second half of the film plot with Elaine, which might in a lot of ways be triggered by Mrs. Robinson's refusal to allow him to have anything to do with Elaine. But mm -hmm. also been waking up in his own life and saying, what exactly am I doing here? And simultaneously realizing that Mrs. Robinson had a life of her own and had it in a lot of ways, not snuffed out, but heavily subsidized by her relationship with her husband in a way mm -hmm. that's not in any way fulfilling to her. Uh, yes. R remind me what you just said. <laughs> uh, I was talking about how this acts as like an actual pivot for the film and yeah, how we kind of see uh, Mrs. Robinson and Ben at a crossroads, one trying to figure out their life and move on, one trying to figure out their life, but also kind of knowing that, you know, middle age is not really a time for renewal, resurgence and rebirth. Yeah, I I really think that that you're right. And the film and the film does take a sort of left turn after this right i mm -hmm. mean it, it is right after this that he meets elaine right where where uh ben begins to see that there is something out there for him right 
Um, and and shortly after this, right, the film shifts location c- completely as well, right? We move to Berkeley, uh, and and the and the sort of weird, um, I don't know. I guess you could call it a s- seduction of of Elaine, uh, but it's mostly just him saying, "When are we going to get married? Do you want to go get a blood test?" <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and really, Mrs. Robinson disappears almost entirely from the film after this point yeah just about and i and i think she disappears mostly from his life too right i mean Mm -hmm. except for the the sort of like uh you know lingering specter uh of her like in the rain and shit you know yeah and we have the brief conversation where he goes back to find elaine for the wedding well what he doesn't know is the wedding yet i guess and she's like no she's gone it's kind of the final confrontation. And I think I had really expected something large, a real confrontation with it. But the film's not interested in that. And I think that's no. fine, right? But it yeah. was, like, against my expectations initially. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I think in a lot of ways this is a 60s film in the sense that it's looking to deconstruct something, right? We talked mm-hmm. about how clean this 60s is. But that just means it's doing something a little bit different. You talked about establishment, California. I think you're right about that. I think that's precisely what we're here to deconstruct in this film. Mm-hmm. It's about undercutting one's expectations in one's own life or one not having any idea of what to do with one's life. Mm-hmm. And it just institutes this general malaise. I think there's several scenes. There's that montage where he's having his ongoing affair with Mrs. Robinson and you see him like walking between rooms and Mm -hmm. one is his family's home and then one is the hotel room and they're kind of blended together and he closes the door on his parents and then he jumps into bed as robinson and there's ones where he lays down on his bed and then that's you know transposed of him laying down mrs robinson and of course my favorite is the scuba suit in the pool (laughs) just that utter isolation and alienation under there yeah. everyone's cheering above you but you're stuck in that pool which cannot be a backyard pool cause it's like th- like 20 feet deep or something yeah it's it's <laughs> far too deep than it should be right yeah and i think they say like oh he'll be under six feet of water and it's like clearly 25 or something but yeah. beside that i think that's just really good representation of what this film's trying to do right trying to problematize or complicate that coming of age tale right Mm -hmm. because ben graduates college he's only 20 at the time he does it which is Mm -hmm. like wow that's that's crazy but entire life ahead of him sounds like he did a great deal there athlete editor student i think the way he's living most of his summer doing nothing is that he's some like award scholar so maybe he has Mm -hmm. some money to you know fund his malaise yeah which is what we all want to do right it's going nowhere, right? There's nothing there. And mm-hmm. I think the film is, is playing with the idea very explicitly. W- like, what is getting started in one's life? Well, what does that look like? And also realizing that there are consequences to that. And I think that's a lot of what that final scene is, right? Is that Elaine is married. Neither of them have jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Ben's kind of wasted his whole summer. Really has no prospects at the moment. And that reality is kind of setting in as they're riding off in the sunset. Yeah, and there's this idea that they've 
you know, sort of carve their own path or whatever. But in, in doing so, they've isolated themselves from their from both of their families. From I mean, obviously, you know, friends, right? Elaine from her now husband, she was forced to marry, right? Like they they have kind of by by rebelling against the system, they've kind of found themselves uh, just as lost as they were within the system, right? Ethan, I feel like we dawdled long enough. Why don't we turn to the meat? I feel like that will be this episode in the three questions. Sure. For that, though, why don't we talk about Anchor? If, if we have to. No, I'm kidding. Let's do it. So three questions. What do we owe to this film? Um, I, I think that this is one of those movies that has really inspired uh, a, a lot of, you know, parodies uh a, a lot of sort of uh recreations of of these iconic like the the miss are you trying to seduce me mrs robinson that shot with the leg mm-hmm. uh we i feel like that's parodied all the time this and, and and i think that the graduate uh and and just the name mrs robinson right becomes a uh sort of uh uh shorthand for an, an older woman sleeping with a younger man. I mean, just just the sort of cultural ramifications of that uh, are 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 pretty hard to deny. We've also got the song "Mrs. Robinson," right? Like that's recorded for the film yes. in 1967, and then released in 1968 in its more popularized version. Yeah, which is no small thing, right? Simon Garfunkel. Yeah, I mean, and well, and Simon and Garfunkel wrote, you know, famously wrote all the music for this for this film, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, Mrs. Mrs. Robinson was a song that they had been working on before um, the film, but it was called Mrs. Uh, Roosevelt, I think, uh, and and uh, what is it, Mike Nichols, I think the director's name, uh, yeah. comes in and he's like, no, it's Mrs. Robinson now for this movie because he loves Simon and Garfunkel, right? Uh, and so they repurposed a lot of their songs that they that they had already written uh, for for this movie. Uh, I have the the soundtrack on vinyl; it's fantastic. It reminds me of kind of a ABBA "Mamma Mia" situation, except for where that's a musical retrofitted to the music, as opposed to you know, kind of the two building together, which seems to be more of the case in *The Graduate*. Yeah, and I think that's important, right? I think that that is something that doesn't get done terribly often um and sometimes it's bad uh but here it works really well yeah i agree with that speaking of simon garfunkel the sound of silence and that whole like meme that that song has become Mm -hmm. that starts here yeah that's i think that that that's really sort of linked with this film and an extension of that and not solely because of this i had actually forgotten Sound of Silence being in Darnie Darko. Oh, yeah. But this film is really an inspiration to Darnie Darko. Mm-hmm. In very clear parallels, right? It's about Malays coming of age, being directionless, you know, mm-hmm. not really having a rudder in life. And then also Sound of Silence is there. So they took that influence and, and really Ran blew it up it, large. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> the graduate is the 60s what Donnie Darko was to the 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that for sure. And and obviously, Donnie Darko owes a great deal to this film, even mm-hmm. though one tries to be way more angsty than the other. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that there's a little bit of a tone difference, but yes. And then finally, that, I guess, penultimate church scene where Ben runs up, bangs on the glass, and yells Elaine. Mm-hmm. I had never known. That's such a trope, you know, and I had never known that that mm-hmm. was in this film in that way. Yeah, and I and I think that that, 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 that this ending, right, is something that, like we've seen in 500 Days of Summer, um, and, 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 and in other movies, I mean, it gets sampled, right? People put it in, uh, I've seen it in other movies, so I can't remember exactly what at the, <laughs> off the top of my head, uh, but, but it, but it's been used over and over. And it, and this film really feels like one of the ones we, th- we think of typically for the purpose of the podcast in that mm-hmm. we have our modern culture inside of it are all these references to things that people might not have ever known, but have become part of a cultural language Mm -hmm. or just a cultural bedrock that we all take for granted. And I think this film, you know, really is a lot of that sediment, that scene with how it's influenced stuff like Donnie Darko, this Mm -hmm. idea of a modern coming of age tale. It, you know, the sound of silence, obviously Mrs. Robinson, but it's, you know, it's something I'd never seen before. And yet I had known, you know, I think all of these things separately at some point. Mm-hmm. So, Ethan, do you want to jump to our second question? And how does this film hold up? Uh, I think it, well, uh, I think that some of the sexual politics here are are pretty pro- problematic. Uh, I mean, Ben's uh, seduction, that is, of uh, Elaine, if you can call it that, is mostly just him bothering her (laughs) at school uh and refusing to leave her alone uh i think that that stands out immediately as as like not not great uh i think i want to push back against that a little bit because it's not as if she is saying leave me alone don't ever talk to me again when he's pestering her she is also looking for answers from him yeah there's that great scene where she barges into his room at night and wants to you know, say like, well, why are you here? What are you doing? And she wants to know that he's not going to leave. Like, so she's not leading him on, but she's also not pushing him away, which I know sounds very terrible on the face of it, but it seems like they're orbiting one another, trying to work something out and neither of them can be direct about it and, and solve the problem. Cause it's not kind of a problem that you can solve just by like directly confronting it. Like people have to sort through a lot of emotions about it. Yeah. So I kind of read it like that. It was like, oh man, he is really pestering her. But I do think that it is something that was reciprocated, right? I think that was something that they were both trying to kind of two boxers in a ring trying to figure out what punches to take, right? Yeah, but I but I do think that that in a in a modern film today, I think that people would have a problem with it. You know what I mean? Sure, I don't think it's something that you could easily do well, but I think this film is very careful and knows what it's doing there, and is able to pull that off without making it feel like we're no longer in Ben's corner necessarily. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I think it's also interesting since we're talking about that part of the film that they never really hash it out verbally, right? No. All of that is subtextual. They have kind of a, a blow up argument about the supposed rape of Elaine's mother, Mrs. Robinson, mm-hmm. right? The titular yeah. character. Um, but it's not something that is done in like a 
more melodramatic film you would certainly see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a very subdued film, I think. I think that's part of its charm. Definitely. So I would say it, it helps itself hold up because of that. I would also say that this film is really funny, surprisingly. Yes, it is. This is a film that uh, the very first time I watched it, I, I didn't quite get it. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> and it is. It's got a, if if you take it sort of as a, as a weird uh sort of awkward film it it becomes something that's like all about these like uncomfortable moments yeah that are funny there's something very british about the humor in some of the conversations that they have from the very Mm -hmm. beginning of the movie at ben's party where the guy takes him outside and says i want you to think of one word plastic plastics i'll do that (laughs) yeah it's just like very (laughs) muted and even when ben is following elaine throughout berkeley there's a lot of just funny moments as that goes along. Mm-hmm. You know, he's talking about the proposal to Elaine, Carl's proposal, and they're in the library. And they're kind of just shouting, and and it's it's all it's it's really funny. Yeah, it is. It is a funny movie. Yeah, that was something I certainly didn't expect for something labeled as drama, and certainly has dramatic intentions. Mm-hmm. So let's ask our third and final question, Ethan. Do we care about this film? Yes. The answer is yes. I love this film. I care about it very much. I think that it is it it captures a a very uh a, a very important section of the '60s, right? And 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 I think that it really underscores that sort of like anti-establishment uh, feeling that we see as so important in American film going into the seventies, right? Like this is a film that shows us how we start to get there that, you know, things start to be Benjamin longs for the, for grittiness. Right. And so he has to create it by going to a hotel with, with a woman, which is not gritty at all. Right. Uh, but, but it becomes gritty because it's his dad's business partner's wife and she's older than him. And you know what I mean? I, I think that there's this sort of idea that they want to be not the establishment. They want to not be clean cut, uh, but, but they're trapped within that still. Yeah, I think you can see inklings of that. I mean, the film isn't willing to take that very far, obviously. Right. But it makes motions out of it in a way where you can see where something like Donnie Darko takes huge notes from. Yeah, yeah. And I would say for my answer that you have to care about this film because it's imbricated in our culture. It has become shorthand through things like memes, right? With the sound of silence, we talked about that. That church scene, very recognizable. These are things that have made it into the cultural language, and I don't see them going away. And that's yeah. that. So this is that source material, and we've we've discussed the reasons for that. Where right? we've discussed why they hang around because this film does what it does very well. But it's it's really interesting to see how they have made lives of their own outside of the film. And yeah. I think for that, I mean, one of the major inciting moments of the podcast, right, is to think about this connection between our culture and a reality of a film. So, yeah, we definitely have to care about it. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to do it for us this episode. But we'll be back with our bonus content next week. Yes. I have already made a selection i want to call the shot right here we're going to change gears perhaps dramatically and watch the russian film stalker you heard of this one ethan no i've not is it in russian yeah uh, oh okay 
foreign film. You know how to read subtitles. I trust you. Do do I? Yeah, sure you do. <laughs> but we'll be back the week after that, back on AFI Top 100 with Sunset Boulevard. Oh, Sunset Boulevard. Which I've heard a lot about, haven't seen. Looking forward to that. But until next time, I've been Matt Bizzell. And I'm Ethan Knight. And there will be spoilers. Uh, Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to spoil me? <laughs> there Will Be Spoilers 100 Films 100 Podcasts was created and hosted by Matt Bazell and me, Ethan Knight. Matt Bazell produces our episodes each week. Our music was created by the strange and unusual Breakmaster Cylinder who you can find all over the internet. Our artwork was created by Becca Knight, who can be found on Twitter at Becca the Knight. And that's Knight with a K. You can follow There Will Be Spoilers on Twitter at SpoilersCast, and you can hear more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like our podcast, you can support us on Patreon for $5 a month at patreon.com slash spoilerscast. Your donation gives you access to two extra bonus episodes a month. Thank you for listening, and please tune in next week for more spoilers. Spoilers.